0: Friends, it is a humbling thought and a great thought to remember that the one we celebrate on Christmas is the hope of the world. A baby born in a manger is a hope of seeing people set free. Friends, what kind of reactions, what kind of preparations, what kind of reactions do you have when you think about the Christmas season? Some people love Christmas. Some people, others have mixed feelings about it. Some people don't like it at all. Now, I'm not talking about Christians or non-Christians. There's even Christians who have mixed feelings about Christmas. They're just not into the the whole festive celebration, the whole decoration, the the whole suite of things that go along with a a Christmas season that begins sometime at the end of November and doesn't end until the end of the year. What kind of reactions do you have around Christmas? Uh, The world certainly has a way of telling us that the Christmas is the greatest time of the year. One of the the songs that we have, uh, that our society, one of the songs of our society about the Christmas season is that it is the most beautiful time of the year. Why? Why is it beautiful? Well, this morning, I would like for us to look at Reactions, appropriate reactions to the birth of Jesus, and I encourage you to open Scripture to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter two. I'll be reading from verse thirty-nine to fifty-six. Uh, chapter one of Luke, verse thirty-nine to fifty-six. If you, as you are turning there, you may uh, find this passage on page number uh, eight hundred and fifty-six. Eight hundred and fifty-six. We are currently going through a mini series of. Uh, Sermons through the Gospel of Luke. We are taking a break from our uh, series in the Book of Ecclesiastes. Lord willing, we'll return to it on our first Sunday of 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 the new year. Uh, But last week, today, and next week, we are going through Luke chapter one. Today, we're reading from verse thirty nine. Here's the word of the Lord for our hearts this morning, as we as we think about appropriate reactions to the birth of Jesus in those days. Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. and returned to her home. Amen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord for our hearts this morning. Would you bow with me and ask God to bless the preaching of His word. Father, we have heard of your revelation to us. We have heard it in our hearing. But now we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would make this hearing be fruitful and effective for our hearts. Speak to us, O Lord. We pray that you would prepare our hearts to to respond appropriately to the news of the birth of Christ. May, May that response be genuine. May that response be empowered by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts this morning. It is in his name we pray for his glory and honor. Amen. Amen. Last week, we began looking at how the gospel writer, Luke, began this gospel by telling us of the announcement of two births. The same angel, Gabriel, announces the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. In Luke, both births are important. Not just the birth of Jesus, but also the birth of John the Baptist. Both births tell us about what God was planning to do as he was sending his son Earth. So last week we looked at God's plans for Christmas by looking at the announcements of the two special births. God was sending John the Baptist to get ready his people for God, to make his people ready for God. And then after this announcement of of the birth of John the Baptist, we see we saw the announcement of, of the birth of Jesus. God was sending his son through a virgin, through Virgin Mary. That he, the son, could sit on the throne of his father, David. And that as a man and as God, he would sit on this throne forever. And of his kingdom, there would be no end. Two announcements of miraculous births. A woman who was a barren and too old to have children ends up giving birth to a child. And a virgin is able to conceive and able to give birth to a son the Son of God. But how should we react to the news of, of the birth of Jesus? Let's look this morning at how Luke continues his careful story, the careful account of what has happened. And this morning we, we see how Luke emphasizes the reactions the, of the people in the story, appropriate, appropriate reactions as Mary visits Elizabeth. And as the babies in their wombs meet together, their reactions inform us of four appropriate reactions we should have at Christmas. Four appropriate reactions we should have as we hear of the birth of Jesus. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. You ready? Leap with joy. Leap with joy. Notice the the reference to leaping in this text. The first one is in verse 41. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby in her womb leaped with leaped. And then note a second reference to leaping is in verse 44. For behold, Elizabeth says to Mary, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now think about this picture. The baby leaping in Elizabeth's womb, his leaping was a leaping of joy. How did the baby in Elizabeth's womb know? How did he know to leap? And to leap was joy. Why is this detail given in the first place? Why does, why does Elizabeth say this to Mary? A leaping of her baby, a leaping with joy. Well, in the Old Testament, leaping was a sign of joy. And, and more so, not only was, a, was it a sign of joy, but it was a sign of the messianic age, a sign of what God will cause to happen to his people, when God will rescue them. You know how I know this? In the last few verses of the last chapter of the last book of the last prophets of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 2. here's, Here's what God says after he has just declared in verse 1 that he will bring judgment upon the earth. Here's what God promises to those who fear his name. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. This picture of leaping when the when the righteousness of God shall shine, shall rise with healing In its wings and with heal the people of God, those who fear his name, the people of God will leap out. God will be restoring his people. And one of the characteristics of the age, of the time when God will restore his people is that his people will leap with joy. So when Mary visits Elizabeth, the baby in in, in Elizabeth's womb is leaping. And leaping with joy, John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare God's people for the coming of Christ. And 30 years later, the two of them met in the Jordan River. Remember? And John the Baptist said about this this Jesus that He is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. But now, at their first meeting, When both of these babies are still in the womb of their mothers, John the Baptist is leaping with joy. And his leaping helps us prepare for celebrating the birth of Jesus. Oh, friends, the story of the birth of Christ should cause in us, in our own hearts, great joy. A leaping with joy. Not just a regular, usual joy, but a leaping with joy. Friends, if, if an unborn baby, if an unborn baby is able to leap with joy in his mother's womb at the hearing and the nearing of Jesus, how much more, how much more can we, and should we leap with joy as we meditate upon the birth of Christ? Let me ask you this morning, dear friend, is your heart leaping with joy right now? Not the joy of the season, but the joy of the birth of Christ. Many of us have developed a joy uh, of the season, a joy based on the human traditions of Christmas, a joy based on the decorations. And by the way, my wife loves to decorate our house, so no, I'm not saying anything wrong about decorating Christmas, right? Um, But is your heart leaping leaping with joy just because your house is looking pretty and you have a nice um, warm meal and nice cookies on the table? Is your heart leaping with joy just for the sweet times that this season is, is bringing to us with all its decorations? Or is your heart leaping with joy because of the birth of Jesus? You realize that none of the, none of the things that we have around us that helps us celebrate for Christmas, none of those things were around um, when John the Baptist was leaping with joy in his mother's womb. No Christmas tree, no gifts, no sweet fragrances. And yet, John the Baptist, in his mother's womb, is leaping with joy. The unborn, the yet unborn John the Baptist, in the mere presence of Jesus... In Mary's womb, it was enough for him to cause him joy. Oh, friends, for many of us, the busyness of the Christmas season, the rushing of getting everything done can so easily rub us off of being able to reflect and meditate upon the the true joy that the birth of Jesus is meant to bring to His people, to those who fear His name. Friends, leaping with joy is the first appropriate reaction when we hear of the birth of Jesus. I pray that this season you will leap with joy. Here's a second second reaction, a second appropriate reaction. Confess the lordship of Mary's baby. Confess the lordship of Mary's baby. The nativity scenes that we uh, often see around the Christmas season, um, the decoration of the nativity scene shows us a baby in a manger. And for many, that's all it is. But for Elizabeth, the baby who was still in Mary's womb was more than just a baby. Look at how Elizabeth addresses Mary in verse 43. She says, Why is is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, there's many ways Elizabeth could have greeted Mary. Uh, Mary was Elizabeth's way younger cousin relative. We exactly don't know exactly what what grade or what what kind of relative they were, the relatives they were, but but they were relatives. So there could have been a, a, the the informal uh, rel- greeting that we give to to family members, right? We could do that. Of course, Mary was m- much much younger than Elizabeth, so there could have been a a greeting that showed Elizabeth's superiority uh, towards a, a much younger woman, but Elizabeth greets Mary in a very unusual way, in a very surprising way. Um, Elizabeth is surprised. Now, there should be no reason to be, to be surprised at the visit of a relative, right? And yet, Elizabeth has a doze, a degree of surprise, and, and she says this surprise in verse 43, why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now, Mary has not told Elizabeth yet of her own pregnancy, let alone of who the baby is in her womb. So how did Elizabeth know that the baby in Mary's womb is her Lord? Verse 41 tells us that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that enabled Elizabeth to utter this confession that was not based on human knowledge. It was a confession that was uttered and and caused by the Holy Spirit for Elizabeth to confess that the baby in Mary's womb was Elizabeth's Lord. Oh, friends, this confession speaks of the high view Elizabeth had about Jesus, even while in Mary's womb. The baby in Mary's womb is Elizabeth's Lord. There was a a heresy traveling around um, in different times in in human history that that Jesus became the Son of God only at His baptism. A total false heresy, total false teaching. This verse is one of the verses that shows that uh, that cannot be the case because here's Elizabeth confessing that the baby in Mary's womb, even prior to his physical birth, is Elizabeth's Lord. Friend, I wonder, can you say about Mary that she is the mother of my Lord, of your Lord? He's not simply Mary's baby. He is the Lord, but he's more than the Lord. He is someone's Lord. In Elizabeth's case, it was Elizabeth's Lord. Friend, is this Jesus, our Lord? Is he the one we worship? Is this the one you worship? Is this the one you serve? The one you adore? The one you take refuge in? The one you love with all your heart, soul, strength, soul, and might? This is why Christmas is special for Christians, because the one whose birth we're celebrating is our Lord. Friend, if you're visiting us this morning, perhaps someone invited you to church this morning, perhaps you came on your own, because it's Christmas, and you might as well go to church on Christmas. Friends, we're glad you're here, but realize the one we're celebrating this morning is a Lord, and He's a personal Lord, and He wants to be your Lord. The greatest thing, the greatest joy we can have this morning is, is to realize and, and be, be sure that each of us can say that He is our Lord. If only we would turn to Him in repentance and faith. But the second appropriate reaction the birth of Jesus is to confess the lordship of Mary's baby. Can you confess him? Here's a third reaction. Here's a third appropriate reaction to the news of the birth of Jesus. Believe what was spoken from the Lord. Believe what was spoken from the Lord. Elizabeth pronounces several blessings upon Mary um, in, uh, in, in this time and when Mary comes to visit her. Twice in verse 41, Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then the third time Elizabeth blesses Mary, this blessing is connected with Mary's believing. Look at verse 45. And blessed is she who believed, that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Now, here's what Elizabeth is not saying. Elizabeth is not simply saying, blessed are you for believing in general, for being a woman of faith. Mary, I mean, Elizabeth is not blessing Mary for just being a a believer, if you will. You remember, Zechariah was a believer, too. He was a, a man of faith, too but he failed to believe the specific promises, of specific announcement that God has given through the angel. Unlike Zechariah, who is Elizabeth's husband, and we don't know for sure, but I would be surprised if Elizabeth did not inquire from from Zechariah the details and for Zechariah to to have written on a table for her the details of what had been inspired. We don't know that. It's not in the Bible, but I would not be surprised if that was the case. So when Elizabeth is greeted by Mary, Elizabeth blesses Mary for believing, unlike her husband, who is a priest. Mary is is blessed for believing that what she has heard from the Lord, she has believed what? That it will be fulfilled. Oh, friends, we cannot miss this, this beautiful encouragement. Here, Elizabeth encourages Mary that her act of believing the promises from the Lord is a big deal. She's blessed because she had taken it to be true that whatever God promised, whatever God says will take place, will be fulfilled. Friends, the third appropriate reaction to the birth of Christ is to believe what was spoken from the Lord about His birth. Not just believe in general, but believe what God has said about Christ and about us. Friend, if you're not a Christian, one of the greatest things you can do is to accept the Word of the Lord as coming from Him and accept that what He says, what He reveals is true and will happen. To believe that what He says about Himself is true, that He is a Creator who created us perfect in His image and likeness. He owns us We belong to Him, and yet we rebelled against Him. We rebelled against the Holy One. We rebelled against the One who is perfect in all His ways. We rebelled against the One who will bring all things to judgment one day. Because of our sin, we deserve His judgment. And one day, He will bring that judgment. We must believe that. We're called to believe that. But in His goodness and mercy, He sent a Savior He figured out a way to save us in such a way that both His justice and love could meet together. And that love and justice met together in Christ Jesus. He died for our sins to rescue us, to pay for the penalty of our rebellion, so that through Jesus, our sins might be forgiven. Oh friend, those of us who hear this news and trust in Christ, repent of our sins and turn to Him, we're granted a new life. Oh, friend, believe this news. If you're not a Christian, I pray and encourage you to turn from your sins, repent of your sins, and turn to Christ in faith. I'd love to talk to you more about what that means at the end of the service. But believing, believing that what the Lord says is true, what the Lord has spoken will be fulfilled. For Mary, that was the impossible announcement of the virgin conception. Mary believed an impossibility that was humanly impossible. Oh friend, believe that your salvation is humanly impossible, and yet in Christ, God makes it possible. We know that Mary believed. How do we know that Mary believed? Because she accepted what the Lord has spoken to her as a humble servant. Look at verse 38. Look at verse 38, the passage we read last week. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. One of the ways we know that believing truly happens in our hearts is that when we surrender to the will of God, when we come to Him with a servant heart and we accept the will of God for us and for our lives, we also know that Mary believed because she did something else. You know what Mary did? She got up and went to see her cousin Elizabeth, her relative. And we, we are told that she went with haste, with haste. Oh, friend, Elizabeth's act of faith led her to actions. If you are a Christian, Mary's act of believing reminds us that true believing leads us to surrender our lives to the will of God, that we are His servants, and leads us to act upon our belief. Friends, when you read your Bible, do you read just to get more facts out of it? Or do you read just to increase your curiosity and to have more bible trivia answers than your sunday school teacher in class why do you read scripture or do you read so you can believe more we should read scripture not only so that we may know more we should read scripture so that we may believe more so that our act of believing will go deeper so that our act of believing will go wider, so that our act of believing would lead us to act upon what we read, upon what we hear from the Lord. Oh, friends, the the third appropriate way of responding to the birth of Jesus is to believe the word spoken from the Lord, just as Mary did. And then the fourth way, fourth way of responding appropriately to the birth of Jesus is to magnify the Lord. Is to magnify the Lord. This is Mary's reaction. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. One of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful prayers of praise we have in the whole Bible is right here. As a matter of fact, Mary's prayer of, of praise goes very much similar and echoes the, the prayer of Hannah in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 after Hannah knew that she was pregnant with Samuel. And and actually, there's so much echoing between their prayers that God is a God who is rescuing His people. He is restoring the humble and bringing down the proud. We'll see that that actually Mary's, Mary's prayer in so many ways echoes the prayer of Hannah. But notice What does it mean to magnify the Lord? I'd like for us to reflect a second. What does it mean for Mary to say, my soul magnifies the Lord? In this context, it means to cause something to be held in greater esteem to praise or deed. To cause something to be held in greater esteem to praise or, or deeds. In other words, by speaking of God's great deeds, Mary helps others to hold God in greater esteem. It's not that God needs our help to be bigger, but when we praise Him, we help others, and actually we help ourselves too, to see God in greater esteem than we have before. Our act of praising God helps us to esteem more. Friends, that's why one of the reasons why when we begin our Sunday morning services, we begin with songs of praise to God. And we begin with a prayer that that specifically focuses on praising God. Why? Because we're coming in from a busy week of distractions and and having our minds be allured by the greatness of the things around us, by the greatness of the world. And we come together and we want to recheck our hearts and minds to be reminded of the greatness of God. So as we begin to worship God, we begin ready to esteem Him. By, and, and, and that readiness to esteem Him happens as we speak of His great and mighty acts. That's why we praise Him. That's why we, when we pray, in our personal quiet times, in our personal prayers, we should not be too quick to go to God with our honey-do list that we want God to do for us. But we should time to praise God. To, to, to think about His majesty, to think about His greatness. Oh, friends, when we do that, we do well for our soul because we help and prepare our hearts to esteem Him better. Now, what were the reasons that Mary had for praising God, for magnifying God? Oh, she had at least five reasons that I can think of in this passage. Let's look at them briefly. And, and as we look at Mary's, Mary's reasons for, for praising God, for magnifying God, um, I want you to think, to think about whether or not these are reasons that you have for magnifying God, for praising God. Five subpoints to this fourth point of the sermon. Here's the first sub point. Why Mary is able to magnify the Lord. First, because God looked at the humble. Look at verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Friends, that is great news. God is not put off when, when we lack the things that impress people. That is great news. Mary's humble estate possibly could refer to her poverty. That Mary's background was a background of poverty. She was not a woman of means, her, her family was not a, a family of influence. She had no influence in society. Her, back, her background was very simple, but that was no hindrance. For God to look upon her. God is not put off by the humble estate of his servants. Humility is a big theme in Mary's praise in this point. She praises God for being a God who looks at the humble. Actually, she praises God for the opposite: that God is a God who scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Look at verse 51. He scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. In other words, God not only looks at humility, but he acts against the proud. Yes, God scatters the proud. Friends, that should give us chills. When we think about the danger of harboring pride in the thoughts of our hearts, we see that again in verse 52. We see that God is acting for the humble and bringing down the mighty and the proud. He has brought down the mighty from the third thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Oh, friends, do we realize that the God who planned the Christmas events has shown His strong commitment to the humble? With the exception of the Magi, the visit of the Magi, all the details of the story of Christmas bear thee the stamp of humility. The mother of Jesus, a humble background. The, 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 the place where Jesus was born was not a big town experience. It was a small town, small village. And the very place where he, where he was placed was not in a in a pottery barn for kids place. It was a it was a manger. And then the news that that Christ was born was first delivered not to the people of influence in Jewish society, but to shepherds. Everything about the story of Christmas has the marks of simplicity, of humility, even in the way God planned for it. Oh, friends, realize that the God that came on earth, on earth, through, to be born of a virgin is a God who looks upon the humble. He's a God who, who loves to favor humility and to actually react against pride and the proud. Oh, friends, what does it look for the people of God to be characterized by this pursuit of, the, of humility? I was reading, I was reading in, in the book of Zephaniah, chapter, chapter 3, Verse 11 and 12, a very surprising description of what God will do with his people. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones, and you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord those who are left in Israel. Oh, well, friends, do you hear and realize that? That God is committed and favors humility and a humble people. Friends, I wonder if your heart delights in the God who looks upon the humble and scatters the proud. Do you praise God for that feature? Do you love that about God? If you do, you'll seek humility. If you don't, you might be surprised that the God you worship is a different God than the God that we see here acting in the Christmas events. Mary is able to praise God and magnify God because He's a God who looks upon the, upon the humble. God does great things. Mary, this is the second reason why, God, why Mary praises God and magnifies God. God has done great things for me, says Mary. Now, we like this characteristic of God, don't we? We like it when God does great things for us. It's easy to praise God when God does great things for us. But here's the surprise. The great things that God has done for Mary, the great things for which Mary praises God for, are not the great things this world esteems as great. we the people of god may think very greatly of what god has done to mary but the great things god has done for mary are not the great things that jerusalem would be proud of at that time do you realize this friends that the great things that mary extols and praises god for are things that really are spiritual in nature Oh, friends, if we, could, if we could praise God for the great things He is doing in our hearts that He alone can do, but just be careful that those great things may not be the great things that this world might esteem. Be ready for that difference of greatness. Be ready for that. Here's a third thing that Mary praises God for. God has shown His mercy. Look at verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. Oh, friends, God's mercy is not given to those who deserve it. None of us deserve His mercy. Yet here the mercy of God is promised to those who fear Him, to those who live their lives in reverence for God, fearing God more than fearing people, being in awe of God more than being in awe of the riches and influence of this world. When Mary praises God for showing His mercy to those who fear Him, this is an encouragement for us to continue to live life with reverence for God, to live life in the awe of God. We don't live this fear of God in order to buy God's mercy, but we live that knowing that whenever we do so, God rewards us for that, and and God gives us His mercy, even though we actually don't deserve it. We live with the awe of God, knowing that such living is not in vain. Mary praises God for showing His mercy for those who fear Him. Friends, do you worship God for this characteristic? And from verse 53, 51 to 53, we see a fourth characteristic that, that Mary highlights about God. He is a God powerful to reverse human destinies. He brings down the piety and the powerful. He exalts the humble. He fills the hungry with good things while sending away the rich empty this verse is not saying that the rich should not come to seek god that's not what this verse is saying the point of this these verses is to show us that things the things that this world esteems are not the things that god esteems when we come to god we don't come to him showing off who we are or what we have or what we have accomplished we come to him as hungering for the things he has we should come to him as hungering for righteousness Oh, how difficult, however, such an attitude is for people who are proud of what they have. How difficult this attitude is for people who dislike the attitude of hungering for God. And the last reason Mary mentions why she's praising God is because God is committed to help His people according to His mercies and in order to fulfill His word. Look at verse 54 and 55. Mary says, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Well, friends, God is helping his servant. In Mary's time, this picture of Israel being the servant of the Lord was a picture that was developed in the book of Isaiah. Mary knew her Old Testament so well that this prayer of praise is is fully, fully immersed in the promises of the Old Testament. And Mary is using Old Testament language to speak of what God was doing now. God's, God is committed to help His servant, His people. And that commitment happens according to His mercies, and it happens in order to fulfill what God has spoken to Abraham. Oh, friends, this is, it's amazing that the sending of Christ is the ultimate expression that God is committed to help His people. The birth of Christ is the ultimate culmination of this news, of this promise. God is committed to help His people. How? By sending them His Son. And through Him, saving His people. That's why at the very beginning of Mary's prayer, God is described as God, my Savior. You see that in verse 47. God, my Savior. Now at the end of the prayer, God is described as The God who is committed to help His people, His servant. Friends, these are five reasons why Mary is able to magnify the Lord. This is why Mary is able to praise the Lord with all her heart. But there's an interesting connection between this act of praising, magnifying the Lord, and rejoicing. We began the sermon by realizing that the first reaction, the first appropriate reaction to the birth of Jesus is to rejoice. Just like John the Baptist was leaping with joy in his mother's womb. So now, Mary, as she begins this prayer of praise, she not only magnifies the Lord, but she rejoices in God, her Savior. Look at verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Friends, here's the bottom line. When we magnify the Lord, our spirit... Is able to rejoice. Praising and rejoicing goes hand in hand. Do you ever notice that when you when you go through a time of discouragement, depression, just a hard time in life, and you struggle even, you struggle even to praise God. It's a struggle because, because things are going so bad. The ability to praise God goes hand in hand with the ability to rejoice in God. If we want to experience the joy of the birth of Christ, friends, practice praising God. Commit the next few days to just magnify the Lord. Take time in your, in your busy time this Christmas season to just meditate and magnify the Lord. And you see how your soul bubbles up with rejoicing inside because you're able to rejoice in God your Savior. Let the reason for your soul's rejoicing be the praises you bring to God. So much of our, of our rejoicing during the Christmas season can be caused by pseudo reasons, by alternative, alternative reasons that are, that are good and, and nice, but they're, they're not the true essence of the joy that the birth of Christ brings. I pray and, and, and encourage each of us as we think about the appropriate reactions to the birth of Jesus. That we would be leaping with joy, just like an unborn baby leaped with joy. That we would confess the lordship of the, of the baby that Mary has given birth to as a virgin. That we would see the importance of believing the things spoken from the Lord. And that we would magnify the Lord and rejoice in Him. Friends, may these four reactions be ours today and this Christmas season. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, we praise your name that indeed you have given us so many reasons to be reminded of your great power, of your great might, of your great great purposes to come and help your servant, your people. Father, thank you that in the midst of reminding us of this news, that you have brought, brought great joy and that your people should be a people that that are filled with this joy. Oh, Father, as we continue to reflect on the joy that has dawned upon us, Father, we pray that it is Christ, it is his birth, it is your act of salvation, it is the news of your rescue and redemption, it is the great plans of your deliverance that should fill all our hearts today. Oh, Lord, may we go from this place as a people full of humility, full of humbleness, full of rejoicing, full of confidence that whatever you have said in your word will take place. Oh Lord, let us rejoice with a joy that is unspeakable. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.